Man, I believe that with all my heart. You know, I, I think is over the 30, almost 30 years that I've been a full-time ministry, I think one of the greatest ideas and the greatest thoughts is that God created us for a reason, that we're here for a purpose, that God is doing something in our lives, that we matter to him. You know, the, the Bible says that, that Jesus came and came so that we might have life and experience life in abundance, real life, life that matters. I, 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 I think about that. I think about that idea of purpose, a life that matters, a life that makes a difference. And I want that for each and every single one of you. I want you to be able to walk in a life that is a purposeful life, that is more than just a day of going out and, and doing your job and making some money and going home and going to bed and then just doing it all over and over again. And then, you know, every so often you can go to the beach or maybe go on a vacation or something like that. And that's life. Life is so much more than that. God intended so much more for our life. God gave us a purpose. We were created and designed. Each of us is unique. No one is like you. There is not another single person on this planet who is like you. God created you for a purpose. And the greatest joy that we can have as a believer is to begin to find that purpose and walk in it to make a difference in the lives of others. Come on, somebody. That's what God wants to do. That's his purpose. We're in a series right now called When Jesus Dropped the Mic, and we're taking a look at Jesus' most famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount. And specifically, we're zeroing in on the Beatitudes. And what we're going to do is dig in and find out how do we live a life that God can bless? And how do we experience this abundant life? If God has this plan, this purpose, this destiny for our life, how do we experience the life that God has for us? And so we're going to be talking about that some today. You guys in? All right. Now today we're specifically going to be talking about the second beatitude. We're going to talk about how God blesses the brokenhearted. And since it is such a difficult subject, I thought I would do something I haven't done in a very long time. I've had several people asking me, you know, it's been so long since you've done a Boudreaux joke. So I've got one for you this morning, all right? So as we get started, our friend Boudreaux is sitting in his front yard out on the porch and he's sitting there, and he's got a sign in his front yard that says, Talking Dog for Sale. <laughs> and so his friend Thibodeau comes along, and he sees the sign, and he sees Boudreaux. He said, Hey, Boudreaux, you got a talking dog? He said, I sure do. He said, Well, can I see him? He said, Sure, he's in the backyard tied up. Go take a look. So he walks around to the backyard where the dog is. He looks at the dog. Dog looks at him. He says, So, are you a talking dog? And the dog says, I sure am. He says, well, tell me your story. He says, well, when I was a little puppy, they found out that I could talk. And so uh, as I got a little older, he said, I went into the military. He said, the military would use me. They would put me in places where people were talking and telling secrets and stuff like that. And I would find out what they said, and I would go back and tell. So when I retired from the military, I went to work for the police department. Did the same thing. They would send me places where there was gangs and drug violence and and stuff like that, and I would listen in to what was going on, and I would tell them what was going on. So when I got older, I had a whole bunch of puppies, and, and that's, that's my life. <laughs> and Thibodeau says, that's amazing. He said, I'm going to go talk to Boudreau. He goes out to where Boudreau is. He said, Boudreau, that's incredible. How much you want for that talking dog? Boudreau says, $10. He says, $10? Why so cheap? He says, oh, that dog ain't done none of that stuff. Sometimes 
we miss out on just how remarkable things are around us because we don't take the time to see it, that we don't take the time to understand. Now, last week we were starting the series, and one of the things that I said is that life is tough. And it is, right? And it's not easy. Life is difficult. You know, and after Adam's sin, the world was broken and our planet was broken, and nothing works perfectly anymore. Your body doesn't work perfectly, the weather doesn't work perfectly, the economy doesn't work perfectly, relationships don't work perfectly. We have defeats, we have disappointments. This is not heaven right? That's why we're directed to pray. Lord, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, because in heaven it's done perfectly, and on earth, not so much, right? And so we have trials and tribulations. We have sorrows. We have sufferings. We have problems and pressures. And how do we get through that? How do we get through the tough things in life? How do we rise above them? Now, today we're going to look at the second beatitude, Matthew chapter 5, verse 4, and it says this, God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Would you read that verse out loud with me? God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Now, when you think about the the Beatitudes and the eight ways that God is talking about that he wants to bring blessings into our lives, and last week we said that word bless is the word makarios, which means happy. How do we, when we look at the eight ways that God wants to bring happiness and eight ways that God wants to bring blessing into our lives, this seems irrational. This seems kind of contradictory. It seems a little bit crazy. The way to be blessed is to mourn. What's he saying? That the way to be happy is to be sad? What does he mean by this? Well, that's what we're talking about today, how God blesses the brokenhearted. Now, look, I may not know what all of you are going through right now. Maybe things are going great. Maybe they're not. Some of you, maybe you're dealing with some really tough stuff right now. Maybe you have conflicts. Maybe you've been in a fight with your husband or your wife or your girlfriend or your boyfriend or your kids or a neighbor. Or Maybe you're under financial pressure. Maybe you're just stressed out. Right? Some of you, that's you this morning. You're just stressed out. Maybe you're dealing with anxiety. Maybe you've lost a loved one and you're dealing with grief. Let me just mention a couple of things before we kind of really dig into this this verse. Here's the first thing. You might want to write this down. God doesn't expect you to be happy all the time. This is just a fact of life. God does not expect you to be happy all the time. There's this myth that believers, Christians, should always be smiling, always happy, always cheerful, you know, skipping the hills and picking flowers and unicorns and rainbows and, you know, talking about peace and love, man. And that's what we think that life is supposed to be like all the time, right? You should be little orphan Annie. The sun's going to come up tomorrow. Bet your bottom dollar that tomorrow. That's what we think, right? But the Bible says, listen to this in in Ecclesiastes chapter 3. There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven. In other words, life is a series of opposites, right? There's a time to weep and there's a time to laugh. There's a time to mourn, and there's a time to dance. Sorry, Baptist. (laughs) The Bible says that sometimes, oh, that was said, maybe I shouldn't have done that. (laughs) There's a time for forgiveness. The Bible says that sometimes weeping, think about this now, weeping is appropriate. Sometimes mourning is appropriate because we all go through tough times 
We all go through sadness. There's, there's, there's a lot of pain on this planet. And sometimes the only appropriate logical response to life is grief. God doesn't just expect you to grin and bear everything, to stuff down your feelings and your emotions and to smile in the middle of the sadness and the storms of life. No, in fact, the Bible says, God blessed, bless, blessed are those who mourn. God blesses you when you grieve. Now, that's an interesting thought. Because a lot of people think that grief is only for funerals, but the truth is there's a lot of losses in life. You can lose your health, you can lose your job, you can lose your money, you can lose your reputation. You could lose a dream, a dream that you've had, and you just lose it. There's a lot of losses in life. And sometimes God says that the best response is not to fake it, but to face it. Not to grin through it, but to actually grieve through it. The Bible says we should mourn our losses. That's when bad things happen to us. We should mourn our disappointments, which are good things that that didn't happen. That's a reason to mourn. We're to mourn our sins and we're to grieve over them. We're to grieve and to mourn over the suffering in the world. We're to grieve over the fact that there's people in our neighborhoods and people that we know who will go to a Christless eternity unless someone reaches them for Christ. We should be grieving in our heart over that. There should be a deep, deep grief for that. There's a lot of things to grieve over. So God doesn't expect you to be happy all the time. Second thing, write this down. Grief is essential to my health. It's essential to my emotional health. It's essential to my physical health, to my spiritual health, to my mental health. Grief is essential. In fact, if you never grieve about anything, if you're never sad, it means one of three things. Number one, you're out of touch with reality. All right, Because there's a lot of things to be sad about in this world. You're out of touch, number two. You're out of touch with your own emotions and you're living in denial. Or number three, you just simply don't love. Because if you love and you see sad things, you grieve. Grief is a painful emotion, but it's also a healthy emotion. And it's a helpful emotion. And it's God's gift. And it's a tool that God gives us to get us through the transitions of life. I've told you this before. There is no growth in life without change. You can't grow without change, right? And then there's no change without loss. And there's no loss without pain. And there's no pain without grief. Grief is a part of dealing with the change of loss. Now, there's two unhealthy reactions to the losses of life. One is repression and the other is suppression. Repression is when I unconsciously block out a painful memory. I don't even realize I've blocked it out. It's just blocked out of my mind for the time being. It's been pushed so far down, I don't even remember it. That's repression. I unconsciously block it out of my mind. Suppression is when I consciously try to block a pain. I'm trying to push it down. I'm trying not to think about it. I'm trying not to deal about it, deal with it. See, both of those are denials, When you go through a tough time, when you're hurting, when your heart is breaking, God doesn't want you to suppress it. He doesn't want you to repress it. God wants you to express it to your friends. He wants you to confess it to him. When you do those things, see, that starts the process. The healing process starts in that moment. I want you to write this down. Here's the third thing before we jump into this verse. And that is, if I don't let it out, I will act it out. If I don't let it out in healthy ways, I will act it out in unhealthy ways. 
You've heard me say this before, but when I swallow my grief or my pain, my stomach keeps score, right? If I don't talk it out, I wind up taking it out on my own body or on the people around me. When you swallow negative emotions, your body becomes sick. David talked about this in the Psalms. In Psalm 32.3, he says, When I kept things to myself, I felt weak deep inside of me. I moaned all day long. Everybody say moaned. When you go through losses in life, you can moan or you can mourn. Moaning is negative. Mourning is positive. Moaning is having a pity party. Mourning is turning to God in your grief. Giving your grief to him and saying, God, I need you in this moment. I need you here in this pain. In Psalm 39, verse 2, David writes this, I was silent and held my peace to no avail, and my distress only grew worse. See, some of you, man, you're the Clint Eastwood type. You just want to be stoic, right? You just want to just kind of hold the line. You push it down. But when you refuse to mourn, your distress grows worse. So what am I saying? The things that happen around you and the bad things that happen to you that are not your choice, man, those are real things. Those things are not your choice. But grief is a choice, and it's a healthy choice. You say, well, I don't like feeling sad. I'm sure you don't. But listen, not everything that's helpful feels good. Not everything that is healthy feels good. If you don't mourn the losses of life, you know what happens? You get stuck at that stage, whatever it is. So this morning, I want to just take a look at this idea of mourning and talk about how God blesses the brokenhearted. I want to talk about how God gets you through tough times. Some people say, well, you just got to get over it. I just got to get over this loss. I just got to get over this divorce. No, it doesn't work that way. You can't get over grief. You don't go under grief. You don't go around grief. You've got to go through grief. And if you're scared to express emotion and you refuse to go through it, that's where you get stuck, all right? So what I want to do is I want to show you six ways to get unstuck, six ways that God blesses the brokenhearted. You guys ready? Here we go. Take a deep breath. First one, (laughs) God blesses the brokenhearted by drawing us close to himself. God draws us close to himself. I love that. I love that in those moments that God says, hey, come here. (laughs) He pulls us in. Look at Psalm 34, 18. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted, and he saves those whose spirits have been crushed. See, sometimes when you're grieving, you feel like God is a million miles away. Like, where are you? But see, the truth is he's never been closer. He's never been closer. The Bible says that God is close to the brokenhearted. He's paying attention. He's there. He's not distant. He's not far off. He's there. Hebrews 13, 5, this is such a powerful verse. Many of you know it, it's a familiar verse. He says, I will never leave you, and I will never abandon you. God will never abandon you. He'll never leave you. That means that in your worst pain, in your most embarrassing disgrace, in your your most massive failure, in that thing that you are the most ashamed of, he's still there. He doesn't walk away from you. He will never leave you or abandon you. 2 Corinthians 6.10 Our hearts ache, but at the same time we have the joy of the Lord. See, that's the difference that Jesus makes. And if you don't have Jesus in your life, then that means that he's not near and you're doing this on your own. 
And you're going to have to deal with it on your own. And you weren't wired for that. You weren't wired to handle or process or work through that kind of pain by yourself. So the first thing that God does is he says, I can see that you're in pain, and he draws you close. I can see that you're brokenhearted. He pulls you nearby. He wants to establish his presence in your life in that moment. Here's the second thing, and this this blows my mind. Number two is God grieves with us. He grieves with us. See, one of the reasons that we grieve is because we are made in the image of God, and God grieves. The Bible tells us that God weeps over us, that he is a sympathetic God, that he's not uncaring, he's not distant, he's not standing on the sidelines, he's suffering with us. This isn't on the screens, but Isaiah 53.3 tells us that Jesus was a man of sorrows, that he was acquainted with grief. So when you come to Jesus, it's not like he can't understand what you're going through. He walked on this broken planet. He was here. He had to deal with the same things and the same temptations and the, 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 the anxieties, all the stuff that gets thrown at us. He had to deal with all of it. Let me give you an example. When Jesus' friend Lazarus died, it says in John 11, this is when Jesus looked at Mary and saw her weeping at his feet. And all her friends who were with her were grieving. He shuddered with emotion and was deeply moved with tenderness and compassion. He said to them, where did you bury him? Lord, come with us and we'll show you, they replied. Then tears streamed down Jesus' face. Seeing Jesus weep caused many of the mourners to say, look how much he loved Lazarus. Now see that word loved there? I want you to understand that grieving comes out of love. The shortest verse in the Bible is John 11.35, which is Jesus wept. Jesus wept. Now, by and large, let's be honest, men are not usually very good at grief. We're not. It's not a macho thing. It's just that we don't like negative feelings. We, we really don't. We don't like sorrow. And most of us are taught as kids, as, as you know, you stop that crying, right? You keep crying, I'll give you something to cry about. Suck it up, buttercup, right? I mean, that's, that's kind of what we did. And I don't know if parents really understand that, that when we do that to our children, we're teaching our children to take their emotions and stuff them down. The Bible says that Jesus started crying, that he was weeping. See, sadness is not weakness. You really need to catch that today. I want you to catch this idea because I think we've got it so turned around so many times. Sadness is not weakness. Jesus was the strongest man who ever walked on this planet, right? For a man to show weakness or to show sadness is not a sign of weakness. It's actually a sign of strength. So never be embarrassed by tears. In fact, the Bible says that Jesus came to comfort us. Isaiah 61, talking about Jesus, or this is Jesus speaking. These are actually his words, and he quotes this later on in the New Testament. Jesus opens up the scrolls, and he speaks to the congregation, and he's speaking about himself, and he says, He has sent me to comfort all who mourn, to give to those who mourn in Zion joy and gladness instead of grief, and a song of praise instead of sorrow. 
So the first way that God heals a broken heart is he draws us close. He says, look, I'm here with you. You don't have to go through this by yourself. I'm here. I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to forsake you in the midst of your pain. I'm here with you. The second way, it says, I'm going to feel it with you. All right? That pain of rejection, he feels it with you. That pain of, of loneliness or embarrassment or disgrace, God feels it. He is there with you. All right? Here's the third one. The third way that, that God blesses the brokenhearted is that God gives us a church family for support. You were never meant to go through life on your own. You were never meant to, to go through your grief on your own. There's an old saying that says when, a, when, a, um, when you share a joy, it's doubled, and when you share a sorrow, it's halved. When you carry it by yourself, you're carrying a burden that you were never made to carry. See, you were meant to grieve in community. Healing comes from groups. It comes from being around other people. Healing comes in church. Healing comes in community. Guys, look at me. We are better together. We're better together. We need each other. We were made. We were put together. We were formed with the idea that we were formed and created for community, for relationships, for each other. That's why we're so important to each other. That's why it matters so much that we are in community. I want to show you three verses from the 12th chapter of Romans. This is Romans 12, uh, verses 5, 10, and 15. It says, in Christ, we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Be devoted to each other like a loving family. Rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. Man, that's amazing. That's the church. We're the family of God. We're the body of Christ. The Bible says that we belong to each other. Guys, we could talk about that for hours. We could talk about the importance of that. It says that we are to be devoted to each other like a loving family, that we should sympathize with each other. That means that when you have a victory, I shouldn't be jealous. And when you have a defeat, I shouldn't be gloating, right? We rejoice with those who rejoice, and we mourn with those who mourn. Guys, that's why small groups are so important. When you're going through a tough time, you need people around you. I, I can't tell you how much it meant to me when we lost my mom this year and people from our church and friends came around and just, just hugged me. They didn't have to say anything. They just let me know, hey, I'm there. Man, I felt it. I felt that love. And see, that's what we're designed for. We're designed to, to, to be loved and to give love. We're the family of God. We're the, the body of Christ. That's what we are. And so it's important. Sometimes it's just the ministry of presence, just being there. It just feels good to have someone else there. And if you don't have a small group, you don't have a safety net when those tough times come. God gives us a church family for support. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 says, Comfort each other and give each other strength. That's why I struggle when, when I talk to people and they say, Oh, well, you know, me and Jesus, we got it. You know, yeah, Jesus, the Bible says, is the head. The church is the body, right? 
You, you need that church to come in and be the body and put their arms around you and love you through those tough times. Guys, not only are we better with together, we need each other. We need each other. Turn to your neighbor and say, I need you. I need you. I do. I do. Guys, I can tell you this. One of these two things is true about you, all right? You're either going through pain right now and you need support, uh, or you're not going through pain right now and you need to give support to someone else. You either need comfort or you need to be the comforter. If you're not in major pain right now, this is, you need to be thinking this. How can I follow what Jesus is calling me to do and bring comfort to the people around me. The first thing you have to do is you have to be aware. You have to see them. You have to know that they're there. There there are people around you all the time who are in pain. There are hurting people all around you. You just have to see them. So let me give you two suggestions for comforting people when they go through any kind of loss, whether it's financial loss, physical loss, health loss, loss of a loved one. Here's the first one. Never minimize somebody else's pain. Never minimize their pain. Stay away from these two words, at least. A mother who loses his child and a well-meaning person says absolutely the wrong thing. Well, at least you're young enough to have another child. Yeah, no. She doesn't want another child. She wants her child back. Eliminate the words at least from your vocabulary when you talk to someone who is in pain. Never minimize someone else's pain. Number two, never rush people. Pain and grief takes time. It does. I tell people all the time, and one of the very first things I, I tell people when they're, they've just lost a loved one or they're in a difficult situation, and, and Mark, you probably do this as a hospice chaplain too, one of the very first things I tell them is, look, there's going to be a lot of well-meaning people who are going to come along and try to tell you how to grieve. Don't listen to them. Don't listen to them. Because every single person grieves differently. So show grace to each other. Never try to rush other people. Stop trying to push people to just get over it. Because you don't get over it. You've got to get through it. All right? All right, here's the fourth way. The fourth way that God blesses us is that God uses grief to help us grow. God uses pain and grief to help us grow. And there's three ways that he does it. First, God uses pain to get our attention. Amen? Amen. He does. C.S. Lewis says this, and I love this quote. It's one of my favorite C.S. Lewis quotes. One of them, yeah. (laughs) God whispers in our pleasure, but he shouts to us in our pain. Pain is like God's megaphone. It's his way of getting our attention. See, you've heard me say this before, but we rarely change when we see the light. We change when we feel the heat. Right? That's when we change. Here's what the Bible says, Proverbs 20, 30. Sometimes it takes a painful experience to make us change our ways. Anybody identify with that? Yeah, absolutely. Sometimes God will use our grief and our pain to get our attention. Now I want you to notice, I didn't say that God brought the pain. I'm saying that God uses the pain. You know? Sometimes, man, we we get hurt or there's pain that happens in our life and God comes along and says, hey, I'm here. Pull you in close. 
I'm going to experience it with you, and I'm going to love you through it. And you got, I'm going to place church family around you to help you kind of get through this. And then I'm going to help you grow. I'm going to help you grow in this. The second thing that he does is he helps us grow. He, he, he brings good out of bad. He brings good out of bad. That's an amazing thing to me about God, is that you can go through something really bad, and somehow God says, we're going to bring truth out of it. We're going to bring good out of it. We're going to bring life out of it. There's, there's going to be something that's going to happen that's going to make things better because you walk through this. Not that I intended for you to be in pain, not that I intended for you to hurt, but when you do, because you're walking on a broken planet, you're walking in a messed up world, so when you do experience that pain, my blessing to you is I'm going to come and I'm going to bring good out of it. That's powerful. Check out this verse, Romans 8, 28. We know, not we hope, not we guess, we know. We know that in all things, not just some things, right? Not just the good things. But in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. And the verse goes on to say, and are called according to his purpose. All right? Every time you go through pain, there's this opportunity for growth. There's an opportunity to grow in your character. You can't always control the pain that you go through. Some people deal with chronic pain. It's just a part of their life. And you may have that pain for years and years and years. And you can't control that. But what you can decide is you can decide whether it's going to make you bitter or it's going to make you better. Whether it's going to be a stepping stone or a stumbling block. God brings good out of the bad. You guys hear me? God brings good out of the bad. Come on, somebody. That's awesome. All right. Now, third thing that he does, he prepares us for eternity. He prepares us for eternity. 2 Corinthians 4, 17 and 18 says, These troubles are getting us ready for an eternal glory. What troubles? He's talking about the struggles that you're going through right now. The sickness, the sadness, the pain, the loss, that pressure that you're feeling. All those things are working together to prepare you for an eternal glory that will make all of our troubles seem like nothing. Things that are seen... Those troubles that you're experiencing, the circumstances you're walking through, don't last forever. But the things that are not seen are eternal. That's why we keep focused on the things that can't be seen. Studies have shown that people who are in the concentration camps, like places like Auschwitz, that, you know, all those concentration camps, that many died in those camps, but many also survived. And those who survived, some found meaning and purpose in their pain. And the ones who didn't, find meaning and purpose, tended to give up early. So you can handle an enormous amount of pain if you understand that there's a purpose. There's something that God is going to bring out of that pain. For example, it's like a surgery, right? You can handle an enormous amount of pain in a surgery if there's a purpose to it, all right, so that you can get better. But when you don't see a purpose to the pain, then it's easy to give up. And when the pain doesn't stop, and the pain keeps going and going and going, you need to see God's purpose. What is God doing? First, is he trying to get my attention? Is he, is he trying to bring good out of bad? Is he preparing my character for heaven? What is God doing? God is giving us an opportunity to grow, to be more like his son, Jesus. This life is preparation for heaven. God is building character into you. He's building character to change your life and help you to become the person that he created you to be. Amen? Amen. Getting anything out of this?
Here's number five. The fifth way that God comforts us when we mourn is God gives us the hope of heaven. This will encourage you, some, some of you guys. This life is not all there is. This is just the warm-up act. We're living for so much more. And the time we spend on this planet is short. You know, 60, 70, 80 years, right? And, 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 but that's nothing. That's nothing compared to eternity. We have the hope of heaven. And if we didn't, I would be in despair because this world is so messed up. And children being abused, wars, human trafficking, terrorism, all of that stuff. But listen to what the Bible says. 1 Thessalonians 4.13. Paul is writing. He says, we don't want you to be ignorant about believers who've died. We don't want you to grieve like people who have no hope. That last phrase is so important. There's two kinds of ways to grieve. You can grieve with hope or you can grieve without hope. Trust me, you want to do the first way. You want to grieve with hope. As a pastor and as a chaplain at at, at the local hospital, I have been with people many, many times as people are dying. I've seen hope in their faces and I've seen fear, anxiety, and terror in their faces. Being without hope is a terrible, terrible place to be. What is our hope? Well, our hope is found in Revelation 21.4. It says, God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, nor mourning, or crying, or pain. Amen. For the old order of things has passed away. See, that gives us hope. Life is not fair. Some have so much, some have so little. You know, some have dealt with such pain in their life. But God says, in the end, I'm going to right all the wrongs. In the end, I'm going to balance the accounts, and that is huge. All right, here's the last one, and this is a big one. Number six, God uses our pain to help others. God uses our pain to help others. It's funny how it all seems to always circle back to that. That whatever God is doing in our life is to make us so that we can make a difference in the world around us. You were put here for a purpose. You discover your purpose, you start to make a difference in the world around us. You begin to let God build your character. You walk through painful things and he brings good out of it so that you can do what? You can make a difference to the people around you. God uses your pain to help others. There's a purpose in your pain. This is called redemptive pain. This is the highest and the best use of pain that you go through. God, when it comes to your life, He doesn't waste a single hurt. God doesn't waste a single hurt that you go through. We can. We'll waste it, right? Uh, Because we're not willing to use it to help other people. But God uses it. He can. Think about it this way. Who can better help the mother of a special needs child than another mother of a special needs child? Who can help somebody who's lost a son or daughter in war than somebody who's lost a son or daughter in war? Who can help somebody who's going through the pain of addiction or a marriage failure or abuse or any other of the evils that are in this world than somebody who's already went through that? God doesn't want to waste your hurt. 2 Corinthians 1.4 says this, God comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort others with the same comfort. Listen to this with the same comfort that we receive from God. In other words, man, we go through those moments where God comes and he surrounds us with his love. He says, hey, I'm here. I'm walking you through this. I'm feeling it with you. I'm going to bring good out of this thing. And here's what I'm going to do. Now you're going to see other people that are walking through this pain. And I'm going to give you an opportunity to go and do the same thing. 
I'm going to give you the opportunity to be Jesus with skin on to people around the world. And that's what you do. We get it all wrong, man. We think that the world is so impressed by the way we handle prosperity. That's not true. The world is impressed by how we handle adversity. Right? We think that success is what gives us credibility. But God says no. It's suffering that brings us credibility. You would not believe the open doors for ministry that Vicki and I have had since she walked through cancer. To be able to be a blessing to other people who are walking through cancer and to speak into their lives. Guys, I'll say it again. We live in a broken world. We do. And that means that every day we neither need comfort or we need to comfort others. Right now, you either need help because you're really in bad pain or you need to help others. And guess what? Here's one of the amazing things. You can do both at the same time. It's called being a wounded healer. If you wait until you're completely healed to start helping other people, guess what? You're going to be waiting a long time because you're never going to be fully healed until you get to heaven. So if you're going to go through a tough time right now, the Bible says comfort each other. Give each other strength. All right? That's what the body of Christ does. That's what the family does is we help each other. Don't carry this on your own. So if you're here and you're in pain right now, I want to pray for you. Just bow your heads with me. Every head is bowed. Every eye is closed. If you're here and you just say, Robert, I'm going through a really tough stretch right now. I'm going through a, a really tough time of prayer. Would you pray for me? Can I just see your hands right now? I want to pray for you. I'm going through a really tough stretch. It's just a tough season right now. And I really need your prayer. His hands up all over the room. And while you, we're here in this moment, I want to say to you again, God is with you. He's here in this moment. Sees your pain. Feels the pressure, the stress that you feel. He's here. He's close by. He's assuring you that he loves you. That he's not far off. He's not distant. No, God, it's close to the brokenhearted. And he's saying to you, I want you to know that I love you, that I care about you, that I can turn things around in your life, that this is a moment where things can begin to change. I declare that for some of you, the ones who will walk in it, that today will be a defining moment. And from this moment on, God's going to do a work in your life. He's going to do something so powerful in your life that you're going to notice It'll start off as a subtle change, but then it'll just explode into this massive change in your life. And you're going to find yourself entering into a new season of ministry. You may still be working your same job. You may still be living in the same neighborhood. You may still be sharing all the same hobbies and things that you do. But there's going to be something around you that's now aware of the people around you. And you're going to start ministering to them. And you're going to find that as you begin to minister to others in their pain, that your pain is going to lessen. And God is going to reach you in those moments. And you're going to find, listen to me, I'm speaking prophetically to you. You are going to find and reestablish the joy of the Lord in your life. You're going to get the joy of the Lord back. And if you believe that and you raised your hand in this, would you just say, God, I receive it. God, I receive it. Just tell him, God, I receive it right now. I receive this. Now, maybe you're here, and part of the reason that you're struggling is because you've never 
asked God to be near. You've never asked him to come and be the Lord of your life. Maybe you've never received him as your Lord and Savior. And today's a great day to make that step. If you're here and you say, Robert, I know about God, but I don't have a relationship with him. I've heard about him. Maybe you've even read the Bible. Maybe you've even been in church services, even a lot of church services. But the truth is, is you don't really have a relationship with him. And if that's you, you need to know that one day we're all going to stand before God. And there's going to be people, Jesus said, that are going to say, he's going to say to them, hey, I never knew you. And they're going to say, but I did all these things. He's going to say, no, we didn't have a relationship. If you're here today and you say, Robert, I don't have a relationship with him, would you pray for me? Can I just see your hand? I want to pray for you right now. I believe God's going to meet you in this moment. Thank you. Thank you. Just looking around. Don't want to miss anybody. One more second. Any other hands? I want you to pray this prayer with me. Just say, dear Jesus, come into my life. Be the Lord of my life. I ask you, Lord, to take control. I trust you. I ask you to give me strength. Pray that you would give me wisdom. Help me to follow you. Forgive me of the things I've done wrong. Point me to your plan, your purpose, your destiny for my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Woo, everybody take a deep breath. Yeah. Sort of a difficult one, but it's a, it's a good one, right? And we find that there are times, you know, when you weep and there's times when you dance and, and uh, I'm ready for some dancing, right? I'm ready for the joy, right? I am. Thank you so much to everybody for praying for me and for your blessing over me for pastor appreciation. To be honest with you, there should be a, a, a church appreciation day because you guys, man, you're, you're an easy group to love. And so I'm so thankful. Next week, next week we're continuing this thing. And this is another one of those Beatitudes where we know what it says, but most of us don't really know what it means. God blesses the meek. What is that all about? You know, when I was a kid, I used to think, you know, well, God blesses the meek, you know, and they shall inherit the earth. And I thought, yeah, and those of us that are strong, we'll take it away from them. I, you know, I was like, that ain't it. <laughs> that's not what it's about so we're going to be talking about that next Sunday you're going to want to come and be a part of that October 19th next Saturday is the A21 walk uh, for life it's, a, it's an awareness about human trafficking and uh, there's a sign up sheet in the foyer we want you to come and be a part of this I realize it takes a little bit of time out of your Saturday but it's just a couple hours uh, out of your Saturday wear a black t-shirt check-in starts at 8 uh, uh, at around nine, the, the walk starts. I think it's less than a mile, uh, and so it's just kind of a, a quick walk. But it's a it's something to raise awareness about the 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 trauma of human trafficking, and so we want to be a part of that. We want to support that and be a part of that. I want to ask each and every single one of you to consider signing up and being a part of it. For those of you who are in Men's Fight Club and come to that. Uh, that we're, we're going to defer to that and meet together there and be a part of this walk to show that men support this cause. Come on, man, right? We do. And so we want you to come and be a part of that. Don't just blow this off. 
Come and join us. So that's next week. All right, I want to pray one more prayer. Prayer of blessing as you go. If you would, raise your hands with me. God, I just thank you for every person that's here. I pray that you pour your spirit out upon them, that you bless them, that you give them wisdom in all that they do, that they would walk in wisdom according to your word. Father, that you would grant them favor in the eyes of other people they come in contact with. Lord, that your anointing would be upon them. And Father, that you would give them divine opportunities that they can tell other people the story of what you've done in their life. In Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. God bless you guys. Have a